Hello there, this is Conan. And this is Cassia. And welcome to The Ebonhawk, a podcast where we discuss Star Wars, Night's Hill's Republic, as well as all things Star Wars. Today we'll be discussing the one and only origin of the scoundrel pilot of The Ebonhawk, which is Atten Rand, and also Rosario Dawson, Ahsoka Rumors. And more of our thoughts on The Clone Wars Season 7. This is Episode 18, and this is where the pure Pazak begins. know if Atten Rand's real name is Atten Rand. He's known by Atten Jack Rand. It just kind of makes his origin seem more mysterious. Coden, here's a quiz. He's a human pilot. Where do you think he's from? Coruscant, Corellia, or Alderaan? Corellia. He's actually from Alderaan. So I think that's one like cocky scoundrel pilot in all of the galaxy, who's not from Corellia for once. So, Where was uh, yeah. Karth from? Karth is from Telos Four, And you visit the world more in Knights of the Old Republic too, And that's the world that he mentions that Saul Kareth bombed. So before Atten Rand helped the Jedi exile defeat the Sith Triumvirate as one of the lost Jedi, he was just an Alderaan pilot trying to make his way in the universe. He joined the Galactic Republic Army when the Mandalorian Wars were beginning. He was disappointed with the Jedi Council that stayed behind, so he really respected Revan for taking a stand, and he fought under him. And then eventually, Revan ended up joining the dark side. When that happened, Atten followed him, and a lot of other members of the military ended up following Revan because he was their dude, and they believed in Revan after all he'd done for them as their leader, and he led them to defeat the Mandalorians and to greatness, and they trusted him. And Atten, after that... He became an effective Jedi hunter. So what he would do is hunt Jedi down, use Ikani combat methods, and he knew how to hide and keep himself from getting probed by Jedi. He's able to hide himself in the Force. And he was so good at it, and he was good at converting Jedi to the Sith ways. But one day, he ended up crossing paths with a Jedi. She was a female Jedi. She ended up telling him when he confronted her, Hey, you're Force-sensitive. This is eventually what will happen to you. He didn't like hearing that he was Force-sensitive. He kind of knew, like, a lot of the Force-sensitives that would end up becoming Dark Jedi in Revan's army, like, they would end up disappearing. He didn't want anyone to know that, so he would end up torturing her and almost, like, killing her. And this continued until, at one point, she kind of showed him the Force and what he was doing to the world around him. And, like, when he felt that, he was so mad. He would eventually end up telling the Jedi exile Mitra Surik that he thought he would love to kill her, but he killed her because he loved her. After that happened, he was like, I need to start a new life. I just did something horrible. He's filled with self-loathing. 
and he also didn't want to be found out by the Sith army. So he kind of tried to start a new name for himself and desert. So he eventually hid on the moon of Nalhada, Narshada. He ended up years later working at the Paragus mining facility where he would eventually cross paths with the Jedi exile, which is like the beginning of Knights of the Old Republic 2, the Sith Lords. But yeah, this is an interesting character. He kind of looks like Han Solo. He kind of acts like Han Solo, but he has a dark and tragic backstory where Cartho Nassi is kind of like, you know, like your like kind of cocky pilot. Karth has a lot more like trust issues and I would say a tragic backstory, not so much a dark one, but it kind of gives you a different taste of the cocky pilot archetype. He also has a nice outfit, like his vest is pretty cool in my humble opinion. What are your thoughts on Atten? Yeah, he just kind of fills in that role that kind of identifies with the people that really like kind of that scoundrel, or kind of like independent do-it-yourself type personality. And so I think that in the Star Wars story that it's trying to kind of mimic and kind of like go with, it fills in that role. So let's take a let's take a quick break and then we'll move on to our, our next topics. in the news right now it's the rosario dawson as ahsoka rumors i'm kind of saying rumors in quotation marks i think it's pretty much confirmed you know i mean movie news is kind of in, in a standstill right now i think rosario dawson what the story is she is cast as Ahsoka Tano in the second season of The Mandalorian. It's pretty much all but officially revealed. It kind of reminds me of, like, for the movie Solo, Amelia Clark and Donald Glover were rumored to be a part of the movie for a few weeks, and all the trades covered it, but Lucasfilm wouldn't comment on it until a few weeks later, and then all the juice was out of the story by the time they confirmed it, so I'm like, why not strike while the iron is hot and get as many people interested when the news is happening? So I wonder if that'll turn into, like, this situation. I would be shocked if this Rosario dawson news is not true yeah and it's it probably is an agreement going on right now the i think the biggest thing is that the mandalorian isn't really slotted until quarter four this year and that that is subject to change whether it's going to be on time or not when we've got this much time in advance there's a lot of things that can change cast changes because there could be contract problems in down the road i mean season two of the mandalorian it the filming is done that was confirmed by the actress who plays cara dune so all the all we're really looking for is the release date this fall season two of the mandalorian it was expected later this year i'm just talking about like that if the filming and stuff's already done then like regardless if the tv show gets pushed back or not it's not impacting whether she's in season two or not it could impact if she's gonna continue on with season three we don't know the whole story yeah. so 
it's just kind of what we're gonna find out i don't know if this is like they're gonna do reshoots for season two and they were just kind of adding her in into a few scenes or if because they film on a on a sound stage and like no photos get out because it's a sound stage i wonder if she's already filmed her season two scenes and they're just announcing it now it was announced on friday when the episode gone with a trace which was the first time Ahsoka had been on TV screen since 2013 with the finale of season five of The Clone Wars. It was kind of like a fortuitous like news day because it's like a rumor that Rosario Dawson's going to be Ahsoka Tano live action in The Mandalorian season two. The day that you have Ahsoka backing The Clone Wars. But kind of looking more at Rosario Dawson as Ahsoka, I would be happy with this casting. She's wanted this role since 2017, and I think she's wanted it in, a, in an authentic way. It's not like she's just friends with Kevin Feige and is trying to make something happen because she has the connections. It seems like she authentically loves the character and loves Star Wars. I've been familiar with Rosario Dawson since... Percy Jackson and the Olympians, the lightning thief. She's also been in uh, movies like Rent, and she's the the voice of Wonder Woman in the DC animated movies. She was also Batgirl in the Lego Batman movie. She's in Daredevil, the Netflix series. I think uh, Daredevil is probably one of the best Marvel TV shows I've ever seen. And she was also in Luke Cage, Defenders, Iron Fist, She's kind of like the glue that keeps it together. So I'm familiar with her. She's a great actress. I think she looks like she could be Ahsoka and she would be the right age for the role. Season two of The Mandalorian, it takes place five years after Return of the Jedi. So I think it would work. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm pretty open to her casting to the role. I think that, I mean, that's kind of the, the freedom of like an animated film is that one, Ahsoka isn't like a, a human and so like with whatever makeup they want to use they could kind of make her up to whatever they need her and and rosario is a pretty good actress I've, I've only seen a few of the things that she's in but she's done some pretty good voice voice work as well as just regular live action works because i imagine they would probably have rosario dawson in makeup maybe with like cgi on top like i don't imagine she would be a completely cgi creation but maybe they could do that they did that with taika watiti in the first season of the mandalorian I ig11 they did a pretty good job with Shakti from Revenge of the sith and i think that was an actress in makeup so i mean it's you just want it to look good, whatever they do. Ashley Eckstein, she voices Ahsoka, and I think she's done a great job. She'll always be Ahsoka. She's done so much for Star Wars, and the fans love her, and she created her universe. So even if Rosario Dawson ends up taking the role in The Mandalorian, I don't think that's to say, like, Ashley Eckstein didn't do a good job voicing Ahsoka. It's just sometimes live action demands something different. I mean, if you look at it, like, Obi-Wan is voiced by James Arnold Taylor, and he's played by Ewan McGregor in the prequel trilogy, and Alec Guinness in the original trilogy. Sometimes it takes more than one person to bring a character to life, and it's not to say anyone does it better or worse. She'll always be Ahsoka, and it's a role that she defined and she created. So this is a statement by Ashley Eckstein she released on Instagram. And she says, when I recorded this line for Ahsoka Tano, when people need you, you help them, no matter what. 
for the final season of Star Wars The Clone Wars, I decided that this was going to be my personal motto for 2020. I knew I wanted to dedicate and use the platform I am given as an actress to help people. I had no idea how true or important that motto would become for not only myself, but for all of us in 2020. I also have a belief that you help people with no expectation of receiving anything in return. As I write this message, it's really hard to put into words my appreciation for all of the help Star Wars fans have given me because I was truly not expecting the outpour of kindness I received. I wake up every day with a mission to spread hope and light, and my heart is bursting with gratitude after being the recipient of so much love from our Star Wars community. From the bottom of my heart, I want to thank you. I will continue to be grateful for opportunities to help create stories for Ahsoka Tano, and I am always happy to see her legacy continue. I am only one member of a tremendously talented team of people that it takes to bring Ahsoka Tano to life. The final decisions for Ahsoka are not mine to make, and I cannot comment on something that I truly know nothing about. However, what I can comment on are my feelings of awe and appreciation for all of your kind words and messages. She kind of goes on to say... We will get through this trying time by helping each other. Ahsoka now lives in all of us, and I believe Ahsoka represents what's good in all of us. I really do ask myself every day what would Ahsoka do because I strive to be a real-life Ahsoka Tano, and we can all be a real-life Ahsoka Tano. So I think it's basically confirmed, like, some people were like, well, if they have Rosaria Dawson, she can be dubbed by... Ashley Eckstein, but I, I don't think you would hire someone like Rosario Dawson if they're just going to be dubbed. So I think it kind of goes to show like it seems like it's progressing whether Rosario Dawson has already filmed her sections or if it's going to happen in reshoots at some point in time. We don't know, but I, I don't think Ashley Eckstein is going to be dubbing her. So Yeah, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense to run a dub like that the only time where i've seen a dub make sense in a live action where they've used somebody else's voices like darth vader's example where they had the physical actor playing darth vader but then they replaced him with james Earl jones for the voice because james Earl jones's voice matched up for kind of the the circumstance that darth vader was in with the respirator and the, the darker more electronic yeah, voice. Yeah, it's just a better voice. Right, but if there's if there's nothing in the way of speaking, then why not just use the the voice of the individual playing the body, you know? One instance, like in Star Wars, where I thought it make, made sense is Sam Witwer has been the voice of Darth Maul in the Clone Wars and Rebels. And then when uh, Darth Maul was in Solo for a few hot seconds there, he was voiced by Sam Witwer, but acted... By Ray Park and that worked but it was a brief snippet. I don't know how brief or long Ahsoka's potential role could be in season two of The Mandalorian. I don't if it was just if they were gonna have a like Ashley Eckstein dub her I think they would just like find kind of like a lesser tier actress and dub her but if you're getting rosario dawson you i wouldn't dub her we'll just see how big ahsoka's role is like maybe she's just in an episode maybe a couple episodes maybe like three but maybe she could like be the one to kind of help the mandalorian learn more about the force so baby yoda knows what what's going on we just have to see no spoilers yet we'll take our final break and then we'll come back with our our final topic 
season seven, episode three, it was on the wings of Kyrdex, and the fortune for that episode was survival is one step on the path to living. And I found that to be a deep quote. You're meant to do more than to just merely exist. You're meant to have meaning and contribute and have connections in life. It, it reminded me of Man's Search for Meaning by Viktor Frankl. So what was your favorite part of the episode, Coden? Yeah, so this was kind of a cool episode. I liked how they were kind of like barricading themselves in as they were trying to pull Echo out of the machine. They were kind of doing what I thought was kind of a callback to the Phantom Menace cutting through the doors and they would continuously shut more doors. Eventually, it was just going to cut through all of them. I kind of liked how they kind of had to solve that problem of getting into the ventilation and then escaping. I thought that was a cool scene. Yeah, that droid kind of looked like Goto from Knights of the Old Republic 2. And it reminded me of that interrogation droid from A New Hope as well. My favorite part of that episode was Anakin taking down the big droid like he did in the Clone Wars movie. So it's like, even though Anakin is kind of becoming a little bit darker, you're still the same person. And like some moves will always work against droids. Tied with that moment is when they kind of show the Poltec leader, Echo, and be like, this is what Separatists did to one of our own. They're not good people. And if I were to look at Echo, I'd be like, that guy needs a sandwich. <laughs> and to go to like the Star Wars equivalent of Tahiti, like he needs to, he needs to rest. So then the Poltecs are like, okay, we're gonna, we're gonna fight. Then we go to season seven, episode four, Unfinished Business. And the moral for that episode is trust placed in another is trust earned. And I think like, I kind of had a few favorite moments in that one. I, I liked seeing Echo pull through for Mace and Obi-Wan as much as he could. You got to see the darker Anakin, even though I think General Trench kind of is a deserved what was happening to him. I think Jedi should just have a buddy with them at all times to make sure they don't fall to the dark side. Like, it's a buddy system. It's like, hey, Anakin, are you committing war crimes? Let's not do that. I guess that's why he had a Padawan, but then they kicked out the Padawan. Technically, she wasn't kicked out, but they kind of were kicking her out and then just kind of, they made it so she didn't trust them, so she left. Technically, like, Anakin did wait for him to like attempt to strike him and then he kills him so like, he did it out of his emotions but as far as the the legalities of what anakin did in that situation was technically fine i'm just saying like this isn't the only instance where anakin's kind of done some darkish things i think you can make the argument maybe anakin's going too far maybe he was justified but it's just getting a little bit too iffy and gray right now and I don't think being in a war really helps the Jedi find the light side, you know? Echo leaving Rex at the end, it was fitting but sad. Echo can be part of the Bad Batch and I kind of hope when Order 66 happens, like they don't have to do Order 66 because if so, they are going to kill so many Jedi. One thing I really liked about that moment too was that was also the moment where Bad Batch formerly respected Rex. Rex gives up one of his units to go be with the Bad Batch and then they just kind of recognize him as just the leader that he is. And it was kind of cool because at, at the beginning there were there was kind of that power struggle of, well, we don't really want to listen to you, but we'll listen to Commander Cody because that's what their previous command was to, they had to follow the orders of Cody. And then it just fell yeah. to Rex when Cody got injured. And I think like if they would have gone with the original ending, 
where Rex and Echo just get medals at the end. Like, for the final season, it just is kind of like, we've seen that. Yeah. We've seen that before, you know? Like, you kind of need to have, like, need to su- you need to shut some doors, you know? Like, give some characters closure. Like, if you're going to bring Echo back. A lot of the reward system that the clones had, they did internally as themselves you see a lot of like the x's or other markings on their helmets signifying like how many droids they've killed or whatever they're telling on their helmets individually and that's just kind of like their own reward system and so it would have been completely out of place for to do like some weird metal ceremony it's the final season of the clone wars i think some people kind of forget like not every episode is going to be, like, a big showdown, like, on Mandalore. You kind of have to introduce some characters, like, so you know what they're like, and then you give the Jedi time to shine. You can't just throw new characters at people and, like, not let the audience know kind of who they are, what they do, how they work with each other. You kind of have to see all that, or else you're kind of just being bombarded with characters who you don't care about. But I think it, it's definitely kind of building towards, like, you kind of see clones, how the Clone Wars are wrapping up, and, like, what that's going to lead to. To wrap that up, though, I think my my full, like, favorite moment from that episode was when Anakin kind of recognized that all the different Bad Batch guys were kind of having their moment and he found like that detonator and he's like, I know what I can do with this. Gives the detonator to Wrecker and it like makes his day to blow up the three separatist ships with that detonator. I thought that was really funny. Yeah, it kind of reminds me of like when I give my dog something. It's like, I know you want to destroy this recyclable before I take it out. And then the dog is like, oh, I can. And then I'm like, yes, you can. And they're, they're happy. So it kind of yeah. reminded me of that. And that brings us to season seven, episode five, Gone with a Trace. And the moral for this one is if there is... No path before you, create your own. And I like that. I can imagine that being on many a person's wall, you know, as a vinyl quote. Like a self-encouragement to, like, get out and do things instead of being, like, stagnant. Because, I mean, I think there's just so many people you sometimes meet where it's like, well, this didn't work out. I don't want to make a wrong choice, so I'm not going to make any choices. And you kind of just think to yourself, like, that's the stupidest thing I've ever heard, you know? So so Ahsoka's just trying to get off planet, but the Jedi did not really leave her in a good financial position, apparently, because her speeder just kind of, like, it's like, you're like, oh, there's Ahsoka, then it's like, Ahsoka's falling, and, like, she's, like, falling into, like, Sector 1313. I think my two favorite parts in the episode, it's always so hard for me to choose one thing. I just like seeing her stop the gang with like one fist and she's just holding it and she just takes him down. Trace just asks her like, uh, where do you learn to fight like that? Ahsoka says, my older brother taught me and I'm just like, oh, it just makes me happy and sad and bittersweet and like thinking about all the things of Clone Wars and I just felt all the feelings. It just shows, like, you kind of don't know if when you're watching the Clone Wars, like, Anakin's a few years older than her, like, but you're kind of like, is, is, like, Anakin just, like, a teacher to her? Is he kind of like her father? Is he kind of like her brother? 
but this kind of confirmed that it's like Ahsoka's like he was my brother with Obi-Wan and Anakin I think Anakin always wanted Obi-Wan to be a father to him and he kind of saw him as a father but Obi-Wan is kind of like you're my brother it just kind of reminded me of that I just about lost interest in that episode when she pulled the clutch in and kicked the shifter this is the only Star Wars vehicle with a manual transmission let alone a transmission I know a lot about cars no just kidding (laughs) they all have uh they all have repulsor drives that don't have gears except for Ahsoka's speeder bike and I guess it has gears it'll be interesting to see like just kind of how Ahsoka defines herself without the Jedi kind of like making new friends and like making her way in the universe if she ends up trying to leave Coruscant it kind of reminds me a bit of like Spider-Man 2 where it's like even when Peter doesn't have his powers he's still trying to save people. Ahsoka even if she is not like a Jedi with a lightsaber she's still a good person and will help everyone. Kind of like with uh, Ashley Eckstein's quote like you just believe in helping people no matter what and I think that's honorable. This is the arc that we've all been waiting for for this season like we want to know how this is going to close it up we know that it's going to have ahsoka in kind of the whole mix of it and how this is going to tie into revenge of the sith and so like now now we're here and i hope next episode is better we're running we're running out of time we've got just a little over an hour left of footage and so that's a a lot of details that we're going to have to explain and increasingly less time to explain it like i'm i'm worried that we'll have a game of thrones problem where they're just they kind of spent a couple episodes on unnecessary preparation and then just kind of crammed everything in the last two episodes i don't think it'll be quite like that this season is divided into three arcs each arc gets like four episodes so it's like you have the bad batch you kind of get your clone fix there and then four you have ahsoka's walkabout where it's kind of just more like a character introspection, just kind of like learning where Ahsoka is during all of this. And then you have like the siege on Mandalore where it's going to be Maul versus Ahsoka. And I think that's what everyone's looking forward to. I've been thinking more about old stories and old stories or even just novels in general. You can't always have every chapter be a climax you kind of have to be able to develop a character and develop a plot so you get to that point so then the climax like is better for the story and I think like with the character development you get a better story throughout with older stories like say like some Jane Austen books some people are like oh it's so boring but if you look at it Jane Austen was telling a story to people who'd probably only lived in one town their whole life. So you kind of had to like plant pictures in people's minds so they'd be able to visualize it. She had to get inside the characters' heads, get into like the plot so everything made sense when it happened. So that's kind of how I see like kind of like character development episodes. It's like it's like part of the puzzle. You kind of need it to for everything else to make sense and maybe at the end of season seven we can like discuss like whether we think they succeeded or didn't succeed if i could just go back in time i would make sure that clone wars would never get canceled because i think there were a lot of episodes that weren't saved there are a lot of like undeveloped episodes that won't see the light of day some that were delegated to comics some that were delegated to 
novels and i just wish like we could just like have all of the seasons be full just so you could maybe have a few episodes in between that were a little bit different yeah and with kind of the route they're going like if this if we were expecting like a 20 episode season like the previous seasons have been the just having these little arcs like this are fine I mean, we only get about 20 25 minutes per episode to wrap this all up so that's going to be just over an hour of basically story being told and that's kind of where it's like well can we tie a neat bow with just with that amount of time with all the stories that have all the open ends that have been created with this season along with the open ends that were left with the last season. And that's just kind of where I'm coming from, I guess. I think at the end of the season, we're going to be happy with what we get because it, uh, it leads into like one of the mo- like most beloved Star Wars movies of all time, like Revenge of the Sith. It's going to be interesting seeing how it ends and how it, how it wraps up and how it connects with Revenge of the Sith. I think that's what we're waiting for. I can't wait to see it, but... There concludes this week's Clone Wars skirmishes. Yep. So this has been Coden. This has been Cassia. And you can find us on Instagram at Ebonhawk Podcast. Um, you can email us your comments and questions at the Ebonhawk Podcast at gmail.com. And also you can find uh, me streaming on Twitch at twitch.tv forward slash Codenbon. Uh, that is going to be Thursday evenings. And it could be starting around like 6 to 7 p.m mountain time that time can fluctuate depending on what schedule is doing so just keep an eye out on the twitter our podcast can be found on soundcloud spotify and itunes at the ebon hawk let's see we're always grateful for subscriptions and reviews and our intro and outro themes were composed by alistair shorman you can be found at alistairsounds.wixsite.com forward slash alistair sounds our transition music was composed by christian walker and he can be found at christianwalkermusic.com. This has been episode 18 of The Evan Hawk. May the force be with you. We'll be back soon. Bye for now. Mm-hmm.